Welcome to Batchadamia, a podcast so educational it could be a university class. With your hosts, Danielle Dick McGue, Kim Hanna, and Bill Henniger. Welcome to Batchadamia. Kim and I are here today with y'all. And it's time to talk about villains and villains and villains. Yes. Absolutely. But before we jump into things, Kim, I've got an important question for you. Yeah. 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 I yeah. want to know. I want to know the worst date that you've ever been on. You know, I saw this and I thought about it. I don't, I don't know that I've had a bad date. Oh, okay. Um, I <laughs> I do. Um, just he was. It was a. It was a date that um, was arranged through the magic of internet dating. Um, it was while I lived in a different community than I live in now, and this person was very nice. Um, he. Uh, in in regarding our conversation about Canada being international, he was French Canadian. Oh, yes, and he his family owned a maple tree syrup farm in Quebec, and he was telling me about it, and I was thinking, okay, is it rude to keep dating someone so that you can eventually, at some point? go to said maple syrup farm and like drink maple syrup from a tree. I don't think that's how it works. But I'm, I love pure maple syrup. So, but I think I just completely, my personality completely overwhelmed him. And everything <laughs> I said, he was just like, whoa. Like he was flabber. I, I'm a solo traveler. I love to go on trips um, by myself. And I'm actually, if anyone is, um, has been to New Orleans oh yes, in March, and I would love some suggestions on things to do. I can help you out there. That's what I thought. Um, yeah. But I had just come back from my solo 10-day driving trip to Yellowstone in the Grand Tetons, and he was flabbergasted that I would do that. Like, he just couldn't comprehend that I would just go and do a trip like that and so it felt like everything I said overwhelmed him more than the thing before so it, he was so nice and so sweet but we just weren't a good we weren't a good fit so I guess in that way that might have been the worst date I've ever been on so disappointing that you're French Canadian who runs a syrup farm is really boring on paper he's like my <laughs> ideal husband <laughs> but in what, real life I overwhelmed him with my personality that's a, that's a bummer so my worst date ever involved me being told that I was going to hell and then my date leaving <laughs> uh, so you win, you win. <laughs> it was I yes um so I was raised Mormon and I had I was this is in college and I was getting ready to I had just gone to sort of like a scripture study 
And so we didn't start our date until that was over. And he kind of asked me about it, asked me what religion I was. And I let him know that I was Mormon and he was not impressed and let me know that, um, my soul was going to burn. <laughs> what <laughs> no, religion was I he? Did, just tell me I was, I don't know. Um, there wasn't much conversation after that. I mean, he just told me I was going to hell and then like kind of was like upset and like left. Yeah. And I ended up, I was okay. First of all, the first sign should have been that he took me to Perkins on a first date. <laughs> and, um, so I had to like call a friend and I mean, I'm pretty sure I had a cell phone then, but like cell phones weren't like as big of a thing then, you know, and I just like remember having to like get a ride home from the Perkins. So that was that's demoralizing to have to get picked up at Perkins. (laughs) You know, I survived it. I like even in the moment, though, I was like, this is awful, but this is like such a good story. Um, And so I was like thinking, too, I also had once and I maybe have mentioned this on the podcast before, but I once had a, a guy tell me that I was beautiful from the neck up. And I was like, what? thanks. Like what's wrong with the rest of me? Yeah. Um, but yeah. So, um, I'm happy to be in an established relationship, <laughs> but yeah. So bad dates, bad dates. I mean, yeah. Bad dates. <laughs> so, so speaking of bad dates, this week's episode of The Bachelor started with a pretty bad date. Um, it was awful. Um, I mean, one, it's it's a bad date because it's a two-in-one. And it's a bad date because Shanae's there. Right? But, like, on top of that, it didn't even feel like a date to me. They, like, went on, like, this boat ride and then, like, they're at a picnic. But it was clear, or at least all that we saw was basically Genevieve and Shanae being pulled aside. And I was like, you could have just done this like in a hotel lobby. Like, you know, did we need to go to Niagara Falls? I mean, and sit through probably an awkward car ride. Yeah. I liked that there was just a random wicker love seat placed in a park that was clearly carried in by the production team. For them to all sit uncomfortably together with the fence and the river behind them. I, I noticed that. That was, um, it was noticeable. <laughs> <laughs> it was noticeable. I was like, why is there like a couch in like right? this scenic area? But like, whatever. Yeah. Um, it's so... It, he does. He pulls each of them aside and Genevieve cries and kind of lets... Clayton know that she's been a little bit closed off and that she knows that she needs to come out of her shell, but she reassures him that she's there for the right reason. She's there for love. Near as we can tell, she didn't say anything about Shanae. No, not that we could tell. Not that we could tell, but Shanae came in swinging. So when he pulls her aside, Shanae's like right away, um, well, I think he asks her a little bit about her. Um, oh, tells her thank you for apologizing to the group of women. And then Shanae's like, yeah, 
Genevieve's not here for the right reasons. Like she wanted to go home or like something like that. And because Clayton is the worst judge of character, <laughs> he like brings them back together. And you're like pretty sure he's just get about to give Shanae the rose. And then so he's like, so Genevieve, like, are you an actress? Right. All the while, we're getting clips from behind the scenes of Shanae being like, did you just see that? Shanae cried. I needed to bring the tears and I brought the tears. <laughs> and you're like, oh my goodness. Yeah. This is not real life. It's this, not. <laughs> it's a reality so, show. This is, this is the Dementor being the Dementor in which there's something wrong. There is, there's no way that they're editing her this way. I mean, they're, they're editing her this way, but these are words that are coming out of her mouth and if they're not real, then she's the actress. It was just kind of amazing. Because she's like sitting there rattling off all of these accusations about Genevieve that are just her describing herself. It was That's what I thought. It was like, ma'am, you are talking about yourself with every sentence that you are saying. She is the worst. Um, so somehow in this little moment where Clayton's like. Genevieve are you an actress which I was like what what do you think she's gonna say like yes well, like yes, I, I am on a show for, for you <laughs> yes. <laughs> like yes give me a standing ovation like I mean and Genevieve is just kind of flummoxed yeah um and that triggers something that gives him the power to start reading characters <laughs> judgment and gives him judgment enough to step aside and come back and he sends Shanae home. Thank goodness. I was only surprised because I have that little faith in Clayton, right? Um so everyone rejoices about this. It's it's pretty comical to watch the women I mean, if the fact that you leaving someplace brings this much joy to others, I think you need to really evaluate your life. I think that my favorite is like one of the women like seriously cried relief tears. Yeah. Relief tears. (laughs) It's like, oh, dang. This is real. Um, so yeah, bye-bye, Shanae. We'll talk about you only for a moment later on in the episode, but because um, it's time to send her away. Yeah. Um, so if we move on to the cocktail party before a rose ceremony, and right away, you know, Sarah kind of jumps up, takes Clayton aside, um, really expresses her feelings towards Clayton. They're all smoochy. Mara is starting to really show her jealousy. And it's clear that she is taking on the role of the next villain. Mm -hmm. Um, Clayton and Rachel make out. Um, Things are getting hot and steamy with the two of them. 
I notice he really likes to touch like her upper thigh mm-hmm. and booty. Mm-hmm. I get it. <laughs> I mean, she's got a nice upper <laughs> thigh. I don't know. It's nice. Um, it's nice. Yeah, nice. Mara is starting to unravel um, <laughs> in part because she like has this big plan to like feed Clayton some food that you're like, well, when did you make this? Where did you make this? Like, I'm so confused about all of that. Well, and I, if you want to make out with someone, I'm not sure feeding them a face full of fried food and gravy is the best thing to have them eat before a makeout session. Because I feel like, <laughs> I feel like poutine makes you irpy. And so he'd be like irpy and belchy while they're making out. Nobody wants that. And Clayton's just like, he's like such a sport. He's like, I like, I like gravy. Yeah. (laughs) Who doesn't, Clayton? That's generic. Think of something else to like. Everybody likes gravy. Oh my goodness. Oh, boring, boring Clayton. Um, So yeah, Mara's just losing it because she gets that, that time interrupted and um the then they go into the rose ceremony but it's not particularly surprising i mean who the front runners are is becoming pretty clear right now mm-hmm. and there's definitely more front runners than there are people there mm-hmm. you know or no switch that around you know what i mean yes there's a lot more women there than there are front runners. There's just like some that you're still like, I still don't know who you are really. Like, it's clear you're going home. Yes. So Hunter and Marlena do go home. And then the remaining crew jets off to Croatia, which I was surprised. I was too. I'd go to Croatia. A hundred percent. Croatia looks awesome. It does look awesome. And when they get there, Teddy gets the first one-on-one there. And that's where Teddy reveals that she's a virgin. And Clayton, I really like his response. I mean, it really wasn't too terrible, but like, he's sort of like, oh, I couldn't tell. <laughs> like, like, I was like, is should she have been wearing like, uh, like V on her dress? Like, I don't, like, <laughs> um, I mean, maybe there's like a different way that, Maybe she walks differently before versus after, and she didn't have a different. I that got too personal, but yeah, no, I don't know. I mean, I thought that he was. I think he was sort of saying like, because she's still sexual, right? Like still intimate with him, but like it was, it did kind of crack me up a little bit. Teddy does get a rose. We don't really see that much other than the reveal that she's a virgin, though, of their date. There was nothing other than the dinner. And I don't know if what they did on a date was just really boring. So they didn't show it or they couldn't show it because maybe it was somewhere that decided they didn't want it on TV or something. Yeah, I had questions about that. And I don't want to get too far ahead, but with Sarah's date as well. Mm -hmm. um, Yeah, some of the time timing didn't really make sense to me. Um, but so they do announce that there's going to be a group date. And in doing this, they reveal that Sarah will get a second one-on-one. And this, if Mara was unraveling before, this is like, whew, mad, so mad. 
Um, and she feels just so slighted. And then when she does get a chance, um, well, I'm kind of jumping ahead here. Um, so she's pretty upset about this, uh, about this. Because she also keeps referring to herself as queen. She spends a lot of time making sure that we know how awesome she is, which is never a good sign. And then at the group date, she tries really, really hard. And by yes. tries really, really hard, I mean, she eats a bunch of nasty food, trying yes. to impress him. It doesn't really work. Yes. Um, and then like later in that evening, Rachel sort of pulls Clayton aside and she tells him that she's falling for him. And he blushes. It's nice. It's mm-hmm. like a lovely moment. I think they've got some hot, heaty, heaty chemistry. I think so. Too. But, you know, Mara sort of decides to use the time that she has with him finally. And decides to just like tell him that everything that he's doing is wrong. Right. And it's a good way to get a man to love you is to tell him what he's doing wrong and how dumb he is. Yes. Always works. And in the in the process, she also throws Sarah under the bus, saying that Sarah's too young and that she's not ready for marriage. It's just like such an interesting thing because then she comes out and Rachel gets the rose and it's like Mara's like so surprised that her tattling on the other girls didn't get her a rose. Mm -hmm. And I was like, but that like wasn't a connection. Mm -hmm. Like I don't, I was just like, it's clear that the two of you aren't a match. Like it's okay. Let it go. Right. So this is where some of the timing of things starts to get a little bit blurry for me. So he kind of leaves this group date and he's feeling a little rattled because of Mara's confession to him. But then he walks in the door and he has a invitation to go to the clock tower where he goes and he finds Susie. What'd you think about this, this Kim? So I loved how nervous he looked because, and we were all thinking the same thing. If Shanae is there, I'm going to lose my mind. Like did, did the Dementor fly to Croatia <laughs> and su- to surprise him at the clock tower? Um, Cause we didn't know who it was going to be. And then when Susie popped out, we were all so happy because Susie's, adorable and we like Susie so it was very sweet and he seemed to be very excited to see her yes I also think he thought it was going to be the Dementor and he wasn't sure how that he might get murdered who's to say I like feel a little bad for Kling because I feel like this whole thing he's just like not built for and you know, and it was interesting because I thought he was excited to see Susie. And I'd actually kind of forgotten that she was the first one-on-one. Mm-hmm. And you kind of like, in some ways, other people have really just passed her up by now. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting because I definitely felt like he was excited to see her and that that went over really well. Mm-hmm. But like compared to like his connection with Rachel right now. I don't know. 
I don't know, Susie. She just needs to keep like popping up in front of him so that she stays on top of mind. Yes, yes. So like the next day, I think, Sarah's like skipping. She's so excited to go on her date. But again, like all that we see is dinner and it's nighttime Mm -hmm. again. And Mm -hmm. that's where I'm a little confused. I'm like, did they have a day date? But like, that doesn't seem right. I was like, is this really the middle of the night? And he went to the clock tower and then he turned around and had a middle of the night dinner. Like, I'm very confused by the timing of this. Any? Sure, I was paying close enough attention to notice. I just, I thought that it was weird because I was like, once again, aware that like the one-on-one was really just like a dinner. Sure. And a dinner that didn't really go very well. No. <laughs> no. So, um, basically, oh, my children just got home from school. So, um, we might be introduced to them on the podcast. So, um, Sarah is like so excited about this and feels so seen getting to have a second one-on-one, but then she shows up for dinner and Clayton's like, yeah. So like, are you here for the right reasons? Do you not see yourself getting engaged? And she just sobs. She's super upset. You need and then to stop listening to other women about other women and only listen to himself about other women. And yes. It's the Dementor. But everyone else, he just needs to be like, this is I how think I that he's like, you. this is, I need to address things. I think he's like, I need to address things. But I was like, this is like so silly. Like, one, there's no reason for Sarah to like be this upset over this. Right. You know, like, I think it could just be like, Hey, you know, there are some concerns. Like I haven't gotten that vibe from you. Like what's going on. Right. Like Mm -hmm. it didn't, it need, it felt like such a bigger thing. And then like, before she even kind of gets a chance to respond, he's like, well, I need time to think (laughs) and like gets up to leave. And I was like, is this like editing? Because like, I can't imagine just telling somebody that and they just like cry. And then me being like, I need to think about this without you. Right. It was like weird to me. And crying then- just shows how young she is. <laughs> like she's so young. And her initial response is just to like lose well, it. And I mean, I understand if she feels like she was close to the women and she doesn't know who it was. And so I can see that like maybe she feels really betrayed by the other women in this moment. And maybe because it is a second one-on-one feels like the reason that he's invited her there is to see if he needs to send her home or something. I don't know. But like, I mean, you did sort of see, she's been kind of like sweet this entire time. And you do start to see her kind of show a different side of herself. Like she's angry about things. I mean, she's worked up. I'll give her a little, little bit of a pass there. Sure. Um, but so they, they do, she does come back to the table. Clayton comes back to the table and they seem to make up and he hands her a rose and she feels like kind of making it through this like argument, 
has actually really strengthened the relationship. Um, but then sort of like as she kind of like she you just see a different side of her. I can't decide if I like it. There's like an it's kind of assertive, kind of sassy, but at the same time, like a little young. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And um, in the previews, we kind of get a little bit of an inkling that maybe Sarah is a little bit of a villain. Dun, dun, dun. And maybe she has been this whole time, but there the producers are so selective in how you see the different personalities that they waited to roll out because I feel like Mara is not too long for this world. So they need to always kind of have a villain in the background to take over when the next, when the first one leaves. We also did learn that the, the sad face that she makes is not in fact a response to Clayton saying that he slept with both women, right? Because they were showing that clip that's right. Made it seem like her tears were a response to Clay yeah. admitting that he had been intimate with both women. Yeah. And so we now sort of know that that's been spliced and diced. So maybe we thought that we knew who he's saying that to and we're wrong. Mm-hmm. So many plot twists. Oh my gosh. Well, and of course he slept with two women. That's what the fantasy suits are for. I don't, yeah, I don't know. So that was like supposed to be my two minute recap. That was really a half an hour and we both <laughs> just talked. But to okay. kind of like, kind of zoom back into them, I kind of have three different concepts that I want to quickly cover. Sure. One is just Shanae. She entered, so she came out with an Instagram statement where she really suggests that like we all need to hold our horses on our judgments of her because the way that she is shown is how they arrange the footage. I don't think the women would be celebrating at the level that they were celebrating if her entire persona was producer edits. I am. I'm kind of fascinated to see because there seems to be such like a click of people that have gone through this experience, you know, bachelor, you know, alums. Mm -hmm. And I'm interested to see if she becomes a groupie if she is kind of booted out. Also, hear me out. Make Shanae the next Bachelorette. (laughs) Kim's like, no, I'm not even. Can you imagine? I mean, one, that would be a really a rebrand of the show. But like, can you imagine what? amazing chaos that would be i mean it would make for good television but this season was basically her show yeah technically already had one season i get frustrated sometimes when i like a good villain but i don't like it when the villain takes over the entire plot of the show correct so Okay, my second thing I want to talk about is virgins. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Why do you think dating shows are so obsessed with virgins? 
why is society so obsessed with virgins? It's a good one. I think because it's so, it's unusual for someone in hot, like a character in a TV show to still be a virgin in their 20s. That I think when a, a real person on a reality show is portrayed as, as portrayed, is a virgin in their mid-20s, I think it surprises people because in movies, kids are, you know, high school students are having sex all the time in movies and TV shows. And so that's what people see in the public world when they're watching anything or reading books. So many high books about high school include, you know, that prom night, losing your virginity or the graduation night, we can't go to college, still a virgin, that kind of storyline. So I think when you see a person on a reality show that is, they make them, they like hoist them up as this like pious, sweet, precious little angel against everyone else where he, when he said, oh, I didn't, I, was it like, I did, you don't look like a virgin or you didn't, I couldn't play a virgin because yeah. she, she doesn't portray that, you know, like Cinderella in the top two yeah. Disney movies, but the Cinderella in the tower full of innocence um she doesn't portray that way I think is why yeah. he's surprised by it or maybe because she's 25 and maybe he just wasn't expecting someone of that age to still be a virgin so I was looking for research on this and I didn't find very much but that doesn't mean that it's out there I think I just needed to dig a little harder but because I was interested in like representations of virginity in reality television and was having a hard time coming up with stuff. But I did find like a pretty old article from the 1980s where they talked about don't say old in 1980s at the same time. (laughs) Well, in terms of like research, like you're not going to find reality stuff, but they were kind of talking about, so this is a journal of sex research and they were talking about adamant virgins, potential non-virgins and non-virgins. And I thought the language was so funny, but I was like thinking about it and I was like, okay, Colton was also a virgin, wasn't he? I think so. And so... Um, with Teddy, they're both what this article would have described as potential non-virgins. And these are people that aren't adamant virgins. So they're not the people that because of their religiosity or their own commitment are virgins, but rather because of like happenstance, it just hasn't happened for them yet. And I thought that that was like an interesting thing. And I was thinking about how like the representation of virgins lately on this show has been like what they would call potential non-virgins. Yeah. And I do think that what's sort of interesting to me though, is that they keep kind of putting a virgin on the show. And I think the idea is that that's going to somehow create drama, but like most of the time it seems like a non-issue for folks. Yeah. Well, and it was interesting, the reason, if I'm remembering correctly, she said the reason why she was still a virgin is because, you know, her mom got pregnant in high school and it made life really hard for her mom that she had a baby in high school. And so she wanted to make sure that she was 
older and more settled and more prepared so that that same thing didn't happen to her as well. And I can respect that. I can totally understand that way of thinking. Right. And so I think that she's like, okay. And so my mom kind of put this pressure on me and I'm a little bit older now. And like, I'm, I'm going to make a decision for myself. Not that's my mom, but like at the same time, like I do want to, you know, at this point, I at least want to be in love with a person. And I think I thought that that was, I thought that was an important narrative to sort of, to share around that. Um, but yeah, so um, if you listeners know stuff about representations of virgins and reality TV show, send me, drop me, drop us some articles. That have <laughs> to um, Cause I think that would make a wonderful project. So the last thing that I want to talk about before we get um, a lesson from Kim on how to snag a man, <laughs> um, I was really sort of interested in, you know, Mara's kind of like, hey, I'm trying really hard. I ate the fish, right? <laughs> you know, um, and sort of my question is, does effort count in The Bachelor? I don't think so. Unless the effort they're counting is how good of a kisser you are and what effort you put into kissing. And the effort you put into your hair and makeup. Because <laughs> they definitely all come in looking really good and making sure they always have good hair, like good hair and a full face. And so I think if that effort counts, then yes, that effort counts. But if it's like, look, I can suck the eyeballs out of a disgusting looking fish. I don't think that, that makes a good life. I don't know if that's a quality you, every um, most men are looking for in their wives, unless they want to go on the amazing race together or survivor. Yeah. So like, here's the thing. I feel like a lot of these challenges that they give effort in those challenges doesn't really seem to matter. Right. So like, I've never really seen a bachelor or bachelorette be like, Oh, they're, flag they really brought it to flag football and that meant something to me right well I mean look how badass Marlena was on the football field and she went home this week if if he was if he was awarding people on effort Marlena should be in the top three because she was a phenomenal football player also she's an Olympian and I think we don't talk about that enough but that's effort but yeah but then like you see uh Susie doing the kind of clock tower thing. And I think that that counts it as effort. And then I do think that there's, and we haven't seen it in some ways, Susie was the first one that sort of did it, but you know how each season, there's always a couple of people that sneak to his room when they're not supposed to. Mm -hmm. I think that sometimes that like counts as effort. Well, you're doing more than what you're supposed to be doing. And so I think that is good effort. And it shows initiative. It shows that you're like, hey, I like you and I'm not necessarily going to wait around for you to send me a card that says you want to see me. I'm going to put myself out there and be like, hey, I'm awesome. Come spend time with me outside of the parameters of the knights fighting each other. All right. So speaking of knights fighting each other. Yes. Yes. 
How do we snag a man? Tell Transition. Us. Okay. So I've been thinking a lot about how I wanted to handle my, 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 my um, lessons um, today. Um, because I really wanted to, when we were watching the show, I immediately started Googling female knights in Croatia because that woman was badass, <laughs> super yeah. cool. And I want to be her when I grow up. And so I did like a quick two minute Google search during a commercial break. And I couldn't, and weirdly, I couldn't find anything in my quick two minute Google search. So, but I wanted to be able to tell you all about the history of female knights in Croatia and I can't. So if you really want to know, do your own research. <laughs> Spend more than two minutes on Google during a commercial break. But what I was interested in, so we were talking about effort. We were talking about like all these girls keep having to do all these like weird challenges like the obstacle course and like the, the, the jousting and the fish eggs, fish eyes and stuff. And so I wanted to think about like, what qualities do men and women look for in spouses and do any of them involve obstacle courses? And I don't think so. So then I thought, okay, what about like, so the bachelor and the bachelorette definitely go into the world of stereotypes and the world of gender norms and things a lot. So I wanted to look and see what a wife was expected to do in the 1950s versus what a spouse should do now. Because I think we can all say, and especially after I read to you what a good housewife does, in the 1950s, I think we can all agree that we are in a much better place here of our Lord 2022 than our grandmothers were in the mid 50s. Um, something that I found very interesting when looking through this list is, so I had two grandmothers who were mothers in the 1950s, um, one of older children, because my dad is the youngest and his sisters are a lot older. And then one of pretty young children in the 50s, because my mom and two of her siblings were all born in the 50s. So and I was comparing the grandmother that I that I knew and loved and we just lost, who was the 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 non-stereotypical housewife in the 1950s, because she was a working wife and a working mother. Um, and I, as I was reading this list, I was like, mm, Jean Coles would have done none of this. <laughs> but I wanted to read. Okay, so this is a list of what every housewife should do for their husbands based from a 1950s high school home economics textbook. Ooh. As I read this, think about your own marriage, your parents' marriage, your grandparents' marriage, um, and see if any of, like, I when I was reading through this list, I laughed out loud because I was like, none of these register for literally any woman in my family, but, um, it, it might, it might be something that resonates for some people. So number one, have dinner ready, plan ahead, even the night before to have a delicious meal ready on time. This is a way of letting him know that you have been thinking about him and are concerned with his needs. Most men are hungry when they come home, and the prospect of a good meal is part of the warm welcome needed. Yep. And do you have dinner ready for Ryan, or does Ryan have dinner ready for you, or do you trade off? Um, most of the time, actually, I do a lot of the cooking. I like to. 
Mm -hmm. And he kind of, he does a lot of kids stuff. Like he does a lot of things with the kids so that I can have some alone time. (laughs) Um, But he does, we do take, especially in the summertime, he's more likely um, when we're like grilling, he's like really into smoking things and our smoker. So he'll take on Um, then it's a lot more, I would say equitable in terms of like, who's doing the cooking, but honestly, I think I would rather do it a lot of the time. So I, I agree. I think it's, it's great when it is split. Um, when I think about most spouses and most marriages now, and even like my parents, there was definitely, I mean, my mom was, is is and was a much better cook um but my dad would often my dad was pretty much in charge on Saturdays and so he would be he we would he would do lunch and dinner and stuff but it the fact that you're like your husband will be hungry when he gets home you need to have that meal right you're hungry too you've been working all day right so so I'm not gonna read all these because they're just misogynistic as all get out but I thought I'd read a couple so we could talk about them cool Um, one one thing that cracked me up is prepare the children take a few minutes to wash their faces and hands comb their hair and change their clothes as is necessary to make them look presentable to him they are God's creatures and your husband would like to see them playing their part so his children are dolls and not human beings that he helped create well, one, my children are often just a mess. Um, <laughs> and if I were to clean them up, it would probably be to take them out of the house, not to present them to my husband. <laughs> correct. Correct. Um, another great one is do not greet your husband with problems or complaints. Don't complain when he is late for dinner. Count this as minor when compared to what he had to go through today. Oh, yeah. Yep. I, yep. Make the evening his. He is special. Never complain that he does not take you out to dinner or other pleasant entertainment. Instead, try to understand his world of strain and pressure, his need to unwind and relax. Remember that you relaxed all day waiting for his return. Now it's his turn to enjoy what you enjoyed. So what this is basically saying, I think, is that you, I mean, you've been working all day in the house, but you haven't really been working all day in the house and you just just be at his beck and call. And when I'm looking through all these lists and there are multiple lists that are very similar to this that are just all hella misogynistic. First of all, I can't, were men in the 50s and 60s worthless? Were they unable to do anything for themselves and just expect everyone to wait on them? And if so, No wonder we're in the state that we're in nowadays and how wonderful that our dads raised their sons to be the complete opposite of their own fathers so that we aren't dealing with that kind of husband situation nowadays. I oftentimes wonder like who had access to these experiences, right? Like, is this middle-class women? Is this upper-class, you know, like um, working, you know, 100%. There's no way this is the majority of what women were experiencing because there's no way it could be. So I, um, 
I have some research that I did on actually like chamber pots in the early 1900s. Nice. And at the time, um, there was the domestic, there's like the concept of the domestic goddess. So sometimes when we think okay. about that time period, we think about the domestic goddess who is pure. The angel of the house is another way that she was referred to. Yep. We think of her as being very polished and put together and not that different than what you described, but if you just take something like the chamber pot in the home and look at what was required in order to care for it, they were lugging around probably a hundred pounds of dirt every single day that then they would dry out in the oven and sift just so that you could like pee and poop. Right. And so I oftentimes think that our memories or like how we remember the past is oftentimes a lot um, more sanitary (laughs) than um, it probably was. Like, you know, I think they probably had muscles, right? They probably had dirt under their fingernails. Um, They were tired. They probably would not react to that idea that they haven't worked at all. (laughs) That's why I was like, are you freaking kidding me with it? Well, and I don't know if um, I've been watching 1883, which is like the prequel to Yellowstone on Paramount. And it's about it's eight takes place in 1883. And it's about people moving west. And it's great because it shows women like on the wagon train cutting off the sleeves of their dresses because they're in Texas in the summer and it's flipping hot. And they're like, do we really need to keep these sleeves on? It's so hot. And then like none of the actresses uh, are, their armpits are not shaved. So it's more, you know, it portrays more what women actually look like than what Hollywood shows us women look like in the 18th and 19th century. And so I think that there's, there's the, um, there's the idea of what a wife and mother should be. And then the reality, which adds so much stress to what a mother and wife actually is because she's reading in these textbooks and she's being told through advertisements and through TV and through movies, you're supposed to meet your husband at the door with pearls and heels and a martini and say, (laughs) you're clean home. I I've missed you so much when in reality, like, I think they were all alcoholics and on drugs because that was the only way they could get through their lives in the fifties and sixties. And so um, the fact that they make these women and I'm going to go back to Bastard now, wait for it. They have these women do all these things that aren't realistic to what marriage is act like what you actually need in a marriage, like what you actually need in a marriage is the ability to communicate having some things in common, being aware that you both need time on your own every once in a while, and you don't have to be together all the time. And that's okay. And um, sometimes you talk for three hours about what you want for dinner, and then you just say F it and make some popcorn. That's, that's what is what a real relationship is like. Not all these, not that you can suck the eyeballs out of a fish and pledge your allegiance to Clayton with a sword and a cute little poem that tells you how good in bed you are, which he might need to know. I mean, that's important to a relationship too, but I don't know. These challenges just, they, I don't, they're, they're entertaining and they're funny and we got to meet the badass female night lady, but I don't know how that helps you know that this girl is the right person for you for marriage. 
I also relationships on the bachelor would work out if they did less challenges and obstacle courses and more things that find out more about you as a person. I also think that there's a good chance that they would find out that viewers would be very interested in relational development too, right? That like, yes, the challenges are entertaining, but I've read enough romance novels to know that relationship development is also entertaining. Um, So yeah. So tell me what's your biggest takeaway? What's your lesson from this week? My biggest lesson is I want to do more research on lady nights. Ah, you got to do research on lady nights. And that I want to go to Korea. I'm just like, now that we're traveling again with the show, because we didn't for so many seasons, now I'm just adding all these places on my to travel list. And I'm adding Croatia as well, because Croatia looks like a fairyland. Yeah, it does. Things are cool. The castles all look cool. I would like to go to Croatia. There you go. How about your plans? So I think that my takeaway is effort matters sometimes. And so choose where you put your efforts wisely. I think that that's my takeaway. I like it. Any lessons or sorry, any shout outs? Should we, we miss you, Bill. (laughs) This is just how we're doing things now. I guess. We miss you, Bill. And Bill, um, we had an enjoyable Super Bowl gathering where we watched. I didn't stay the whole game because I was tired and I didn't care, really care about either team. But how amazing was that halftime show? It was amazing. I loved it. Um, so good. Brought me back Sharkies 2002 on the hill. It, it was like a blast I, from my past. And I really enjoyed, so I like all of the theatrical elements too. I like to watch what they do with lights and staging Mm -hmm. and bodies. My only complaint is that like, I wish there would have been like more people upside down or something. I know. (laughs) Or that they could have done more than one song each. And I kept hoping, so I'm, I loved the movie eight mile and I kept hoping when he started lose yourself. I was like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Is Mackay Pfeiffer going to walk out on stage? Because I would lose my mind if Mackay Pfeiffer walked out there too, but he did not. And that made me sad. Yes. I realize I'm old, but I enjoyed the Super Bowl halftime show. So we're not old. We're just relevant. Finally. (laughs) I love it. Let's leave on that note. Thank you all. (laughs) Subscribe. Thank you. Have a good night or day or whenever you're listening. (laughs) You have been listening to Batchadamia with your hosts, Danielle Dick McGew, Kim Hanna, and Bill Henning. All thoughts and opinions expressed on the show are solely those of the person who spoke them. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to the show, leaving a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, please share with your family, friends, colleagues, and other Ardent Bachelor fans. If you have comments or questions you would like us to address on the show, you can email us at batchadamia at gmail.com. Or on the Twitter with the handle at Batchadamia. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening.